Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is an amazing text of Scripture, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. It's all too familiar to all of you sitting here today. How many of you, by a show of hands, have, have watched the show The Chosen? The Chosen, it's on Netflix. Do you realize in that first season, they're paralleling the Gospel of John? And, and the very first person you meet in that show is Nicodemus and his wife. Now, we're told that Nicodemus is the teacher of Israel. So he's not just a teacher, he's the teacher. It's kind of like our Mr. Limer, he's the teacher of science. So much so that even our district recognized his excellence a few years ago. He's the guy. Well, that was Nicodemus. He was the guy. So he knew a lot of stuff. Clearly, he's an educated man. Clearly, he knows the law of God. Clearly, he knows the Torah that other rabbis would come to him and say, help me understand. In our world today, there are a lot of people who know things about Jesus. Would you agree with that statement? They know things about Jesus. Maybe they know that's the reason we have Christmas. That, that might be the reason they know Jesus. They know, aha, we have off from school and a little vacation because this baby was born and everybody recognizes that. There's other people who would recognize that he's known for miracles like walking on the water or feeding 5,000 with a few loaves and a couple of fish. Maybe they know him from his teaching. They know he was a fantastic teacher that he taught love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. But do they know him? Do they really know who Jesus is? And I come back to Nicodemus. Can you imagine being Nicodemus and having Jesus tell you that all that you have done and all that you are is not enough to inherit the kingdom of God? Can you imagine for just one moment Everything that Nicodemus has learned, Jesus goes, that's eh, not really enough. It'd be like your student walking into a classroom, sitting down and taking a test, and they fail. Because every single question was something beyond what they ever learned in the classroom. How would you feel as a parent if that were the case? Something tells me you might be a little mad. Or if you were the child and you failed this test, something tells me you would be very disappointed and you'd be really mad at the teacher as well. So Jesus says to Nicodemus, everything you've got, I'm sorry, it's not enough. So I'm gonna ask you a simple question about Nicodemus and you tell me the answer. Is it possible to miss it? Is it possible to miss who Jesus really is. Based on the people you know in the world, based on maybe some of your own family members, is it possible to not get it? Well, let's put it this way. 
There are a lot of people who can be religious and still miss the promises of God's acceptance through Jesus. There are a lot of people who are religious. They check the boxes. They follow the rules. They live a moral life. But do they really know who Jesus is? Can you be religious and still be unfulfilled? Empty. Missing something. I think there's a lot of people in our society today that say this about themselves. I have kept all the rules. I have been a good person. I've been better than the guy next to me or across the street from me or down the road from me. I'm better than most of my coworkers. I think there's a lot of people who say that about themselves. And then they say this. But something is still missing. Something isn't there. There's a void. There's an emptiness. There's a hole. No matter how good I am, I just can't seem to be good enough. No matter how much I do, I just can't seem to do enough. No matter how hard I work, I don't seem to get ahead. No matter how much I try, and can never seem to fill the hole. Now I want you to think about the ministry of Jesus, even up to this point. Once you look into the eyes of Jesus, it's difficult to look away. Once you gaze into the real depths of who Jesus is, it's very hard not to be captivated and changed. I give you the first example, Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, by all accounts in Scripture, was a little bit of a mess. Her life was not so neat and tidy. I'm not sure how accurate the Chosen is, but they have her demon-possessed and thrashing about and scaring Nicodemus and everyone else around her until she gazed into the eyes of Jesus. And everything was changed. The second one is Matthew. Now Matthew, also known as Levi, was a tax collector. Call it what it is, he was the modern day IRS agent. And I am here to help you. Really. No, we know that Matthew or Levi made his money by skimming off the top of the taxes of that which he was charging from the Roman government to his own people. Do any of you work for the IRS, by the way? <laughs> I always had to be nervous. I had an IRS agent in one of my congregations, and I always had to keep that a little low key. They're not very popular, are they? And, and we see that, by the way, in the Chosen. He's not very popular until he looks into the eyes of Jesus. And everything is changed. And I'd be remiss if we didn't mention these two, Peter and Paul. You know, one's a fisherman, one's a, a rabbi himself, and their lives are thoroughly transformed with the encounter with Jesus so that they abandon what they do. And they go and they preach the good news to everybody. They are overwhelmed with joy to tell the world about Jesus. So the truth be told, 
As we consider ourselves, we are all broken, and we too are needing of being healed, changed, repaired, forgiven. We're all in the same position as Mary Magdalene or Matthew or Peter and Paul. We all need that life-changing moment with the Savior. Which really gets to the question that I want to ask you today. What are you personally searching for? What are you looking for in life right now? See, the real question this morning isn't, what was Nicodemus searching for? The real question is, what are you searching for? How does this text of scripture that is way too familiar speak to your heart, to your soul, to your mind this morning? Look at what happens in the encounters. Verse 3. Jesus answered Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Five words. Must, you, must be born again. You must be born again. What in the world is Jesus talking about? In a very real way, he is telling Nicodemus and you and me, we need to start afresh into the process of spiritual growth. In other words, we have to wipe the slate clean of our transgressions and of our sins. It is our human problem. Selfishness. And who here is not a little selfish? From time to time, who here isn't self-absorbed? From time to time, who isn't so enraptured and in love with oneself that we fail to see the needs, the hurts, the wants, the desires of everyone else around us? See, church talk, we call it sin. Give it a little three-letter word, makes it seem not so bad. But what is sin? It's a failure to live up to the moral and ethical values of God. It's breaking God's law. Imagine if we said that every time we did something wrong. Imagine if we said, instead of going, whoops, I sinned, to say, oh, I just failed to live up to the moral and ethical values of God. I have broken his law. Does that change things a little bit? Does it give it a little more weight or impact? The fundamental difference between our Christian faith and, well, all other religions in the world is one little word, Jesus. Jesus makes all the difference. And that's what Nicodemus was missing. He had all the law, he had all the rules, but he didn't have Jesus. You see, Jesus alone, we are told in the Gospel of John in chapter 14, is the way, is the truth, and is the life. He's it. And the other thing that really separates that is your own, his bones are not found in some grave. He's not like some dead teacher. Jesus is alive. Isn't that the Gospel in a nutshell? Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. 
And that stands right in the face of our lives, that our own moral and righteousness will never, ever be enough. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't keep spinning the wheels and think, somehow, I can get there. See, here's the truth. Self-salvation through good deeds may produce a wonderful moral person, but it will never be enough. That's the emptiness. And that's where Nicodemus was. He was checking all the boxes, but he was still feeling the void that Jesus alone could fill. I think the same holds true for you and me. There will always be something missing when we look into our own lives. Do you ever feel like, I should have done this or that? You know, I'm kind of at that age now where you start looking backwards and you realize how long of a road it is behind you. Yeah, I was telling uh, Mr. Limer beforehand, you know, one of the great joys of being the pastor here of over the school, I don't have any kids in the school. So I love everybody. I never have a problem with the teacher because I don't have any kids in the classroom with the teachers. I just, go, I just go, go in there and I just get to love them. But I look back and I go, what did I miss? What road should I have taken? Did I make the right decision here or should I have gone there? Should I have studied this or should I have studied that? And when you start going down that road, what do you discover? A lot of regret. And a lot of emptiness. See, this is why Nicodemus came to Jesus in the night. I always love this about the text. It's not in the daytime. It's not when everybody else was out busy and doing their thing. He sneaks at night to find Jesus. Because he doesn't want anybody realizing that the teacher of Israel has doubts, has questions, has emptiness. Deep down, Nicodemus knew he was coming up short. Remember, he's the teacher of Israel. You expect the teacher of Israel to be the answer guy. You expect your pastors to be the well, answer guys. You expect the teachers in the classrooms to be the answer guys. Children expect the parents to be the answer people, and so on. He knew the Torah better than anyone. There wasn't anybody alive in Israel who knew the Torah better than Nicodemus. And yet, he's empty. What's amazing about this is he finds the one person who can fill the void. He stands in the presence of the one that can answer the deep life question. That's Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He shows him the way, the truth, and the life. It's the part of the text we love so very, very much. It's John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It always drives me crazy, by the way, when you're watching a sporting event, and you know, somebody has the John 3.16 sign. All they need to do is put a little apostrophe in 17. Because 17 is like the exclamation point, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 
These are the familiar words. This morning, and as we kick off Lutheran Schools Week, and as we know that our education here is centered and grounded upon the sure foundation of Jesus as the Lord and Savior of the world, I want you to dwell richly with Nicodemus and hear those words anew. I want you to receive those words and realize that's where the emptiness is filled. These are familiar words. Do you really know them? Now having said that, look to Jesus. As Lutheran Schools Week kicks off, we're going to have a lot of fun this week. We had the teachers put together another fantastic week of, of activities and, and uh, events and sports and competition. I don't know. I, I'm a little worried about the teachers this year. You know, the eighth grade, you know, challenges them as the week goes on. And, you know, Pastor Pop, what is the record, by the way, of the teachers versus the middle school? Eight and two. You know, eight wins for the teachers, two losses. But I, I'm challenging you, eighth graders. Take them down this year. They're getting a little older, a little slower. Just saying. Just saying there. But as the week unfolds, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, ask yourself, do you really know the love of Jesus? Are you sharing the love of Jesus in your home? Many in the world know about Jesus. Many of your neighbors and coworkers can tell you all sorts of cool things. But do they know in their hearts that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? You see, God has said, I will remember their sins no more. I will accept them because Jesus died and rose from the dead. This is why we are so comforted with the words of today's gospel. May these familiar words echo in your heart and in your mind that you would truly know Jesus. And knowing and believing this, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, may it keep your hearts and your minds through faith in one Lord Jesus Christ, now and unto eternal life. Amen. I invite you all to stand as we confess our common faith. Today we use the words of the Apostles' Creed. 